ask that you would anoint my weak words and give me your words, Lord. I ask that you'd replace my thoughts with your thoughts. And most importantly, God, that we would walk away from here serving you in a new way. Walk away from here believing you with new faith. So, Father, we just ask that you would visit us right now. You open our ears, open our minds, pull apart those walls that are in front of our hearts, and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are in Acts. How many of you guys have been with us during this series? Raise your hand. That's encouraging. How many of you guys have, I'm, I'm just not, I'm, sometimes I'm not sure who is not raising your hands. Who hasn't heard one of these Acts messages? You may be new, you might have not been around for a bit, might just be coming back through. Good to see you guys. John, it's good to have you here. My man, John Howard, everybody. Love this man. It's a good brother, good friend of mine. Appreciative for you, man. Um, we are in Acts 10 today. So if you want to open, you, you, grab my own Bible here, try to not get heretical. Um, if you want to read out of your Bible, you can do that. If you want to read off of the screen, you can do that. There's so many options for you today to not be unbibled. That's not a word. I don't know what, I'm just, yeah, it is. Thank you. Thank you, Omar. Um, okay, verse one. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor, prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. I would too. (laughs) What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now, send some men to Joppa, summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel is gone, Cornelius called his servants and sent them. Verse 9. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. By the way, if you haven't noticed, we're going to read this thing through. I don't know if I just kind of hooked you guys in. I, I mean, of course, I have the microphone, so I can hook you in. But follow along with me as we read this. We're going to kind of just plow right through this story because there's something about getting this story in our heads and in our hearts that's, uh, I think God's going to reveal something to us through it. But Peter's hungry. Definitely relate to that. Um, while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Kill and eat them. Um, No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Same vision gets repeated three times. Then the sheet gets pulled up to heaven. Peter's very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. 
We're going to skip ahead a little bit. Peter goes with them. They take him to Cornelius. They arrive in Cornelius. Peter enters his home in verse 25. Cornelius falls at his feet and worships him, which is unusual. I wonder why he worshiped. I wonder why that happened. It's just maybe, maybe because this was the guy that God said was going to come. But, and he was just amazed. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Cornelius was ready. Peter told them, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to, be, to enter a Gentile home like this. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection when you sent for me. So Cornelius tells him the story of what happened. Peter then says, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout, throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. You know, he tells the story of Jesus. Skip down to verse 40. But God raised him to the life on the third day, and God allowed him to appear not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He ordered us to preach everywhere and testify that Jesus is basically the Messiah. Going down, verse 44, as Peter is saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? You see the kind of mental stigma, the mental like blockages that the Jewish people had. They had been indoctrinated. You know, the, I mean, God had chosen the Jewish people. But then they, the, you know, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees took that so far, you can't even relate with them. You know, you can't even, and Jesus himself had told them, go everywhere, preach the gospel to all people, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, you know? And they had forgotten, conveniently forgotten that part about going outside of their comfort zone. You see where I'm getting at with this? So they're amazed. They're a little dumbfounded that the Holy Spirit's been poured out on people who aren't Jewish. Ooh, not like us. People who look different, talk different than us. And that surprised them. They had a hard time wrapping their head around it. But Peter just uses plain old logic and says, obviously they have received the Holy Spirit. We ought to baptize them. And uh, he gives orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You look at this chapter and, um, you know, I have to admit, like, you know, often when I've read this, I have kind of felt like, well, here we go. It's another Bible story, you know. I think that felt board, uh, you know, kind of picture of the sheet with the animals in it. I don't know if any of you guys were that churched, <laughs> you know, but I was. <laughs> we went to church like hardcore. We 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 churched till we dropped. But uh, so I was there every Sunday, and uh, you know, you, you got the little felt board of like the kid, you know, painting of uh, you know the sheet with the animals, and you got like a giraffe or something sticking his head out. And, what did, how did that get in there? But that was my own head. That wasn't in there. I just am illustrating what's in my own mind here. But, um, 
you know, we kind of have this Bible story mentality when we read the scriptures sometimes. When you look into the message of what's in this chapter, it's phenomenal. You know, something really fun, just to kind of take a break for a second, that uh, it's so much nicer having time to preach. Oh, my goodness. Um, We had first service. It was great, uh, but it's definitely shorter. We've been doing inductive Bible studies. We're doing that with pretty much uh, most of our small groups, uh, community groups, still training myself there. Um, But having done inductive Bible study for the past year and a half, I've gotten more out of that than probably anything I can remember in recent memory. It's just been phenomenal. We, you know, you just sit down with a chapter of the Bible. And if you go to a community group today or this week, um, there's none today, but you, this is what you'll probably find, is they'll probably be doing inductive Bible study. And we all just have a sheet of the, you know, the chapter printed out. And you look at it and you, you read it for what it is. And you actually observe it, you know? InterVarsity pioneered this kind of technique. Yeah. Love it. Love InterVarsity. Praise God for them. A lot of college students didn't lose their faith because of them. And you observe, then you interpret, based on actual observation and facts, not your own, like, imagination. It's, it's amazing what the difference is. And then um, you actually apply it to your life. Something happens when you do that. And so that is how you break out of Bible story Christianity. That's how you break out of Bible story reading of the Bible, where you're stuck in your, your, your kid's church Love Kids Church, by the way. They do an awesome job over there. So grateful for them. But it, you, you're stuck in that like very young mentality of like, this is what a Bible story is, right? All right, enough of that. Let's get back to this. God has a message in here that I believe he wants to inspire us with. Let's go back to verse, um, well, we don't have to read the verse, but you know, basically Cornelius is visited, right? God breaks into Cornelius' experience. He breaks into his life. And it's unexpected. It's jarring. It's very exciting. Cornelius is terrified. There's a lot going on. But there's more than just Cornelius. There's more going on than just his life and his personal like, experience of God, his knowledge of God. Him receiving salvation. God's doing something big. And in breaking in, you see God break into another person's life, Peter. Peter, the guy who denied Jesus in front of um, a servant. Peter, who regularly just said the wrong thing at the wrong time. It's just amazing. Uh, But there's something very relatable about that, where we feel foolish often, don't we? We feel like we don't, we don't really, either we feel we don't get to be used by God or we couldn't be used by God. And then we get used by God and we're not quite sure if we got used by God. You know what I'm saying? You know, I was sharing in the first service, the interesting thing about these uh, testimonies is they're real. This is real life. You know, like when we go out and we do an outreach, there's nothing magical about it. There's nothing like earth shattering. You know, when you're in, when you're in those people's boots, when you're in Amy's boots and Todd's boots, when you're in Kathy and Nadia's boots or shoes or whatever they're wearing, you, uh, you're experiencing something very, just a, Sort of normal looking in some ways. I bet you that a lot of the stories in the Bible felt a little more normal than they really were. If you ever had something, let me ask you this. You ever had something crazy happen to you that was life-altering, and you, you really didn't realize it in the moment? That ever happened to you? And you look back, and you're like, 
oh my word, I almost died. <laughs> like that car nearly hit me. Like it's insane. Sometimes we don't know in the moment like what happened. But then we look back and there's an epic story to be written. You know? That happens all the time with us. And I, I would say, I'm just to give it away, that the, the entire, I didn't title this message, I probably should have done that, but um, what, do you have a message, a title? Acts 10 is the title. Thank you, honey. <laughs> Everybody give Amy a hand. I am grateful for that kind of help. That's keeping it simple. Keeping it simple, stupid. That is the acronym, right? Um, no, I'm, I'm very grateful for, for my wife. Oh, my goodness. I get off track so easily. That, that was helpful. Acts 10 is probably how we should mark this in our memory. Um, but there's something about the main message that I want to get at here is the story of God, if there was one thing that I want you to grab a hold of and take away this morning, is, it's not really, it's just two minutes afternoon, so it's the afternoon now. This afternoon, take away the story of God, seeing the story of God in your life. You with me? You feeling it? It takes a special appreciation to do that. It takes a special, like, thankful heart to do that. That's a personally like a big advocate of thankfulness. I think it's a door to a lot of things. But if you know, if there's one thing that that really opens your mind to, it's to start actually seeing what God's doing in your life, and then you can actually appreciate what He's done and actually listen to Him when He speaks to you and actually believe He's going to do something. When you stop thinking everyone else's life, everyone else's Instagram is so much better looking than yours. And yours is just dumb. Yours is just lame. That's the way we all think. We put ourselves down. I mean, some of us, you know, could use a little less pride, myself included. But at the same time, it's so, it's so ridiculous because we have pride, yet we put our own, like, experience of God down. You know, where we're like, we think ourselves infallible. And in the process, we just kind of shove God down. And we think that what he's speaking, what he does with our life doesn't, it's not as good as, you know, some great evangelist. I'll never be like Bill Johnson. I'll never be, I'll never give prophetic words like, you know, those guys, uh, Randy, what's his name? Randy Clark, or, you know, see healings like Randy Clark, like people like that. It, it, you kind of just compare yourself all day long, and you never do anything with what God's given you because you just devalue what God is saying. This, I'm getting tangential now. All right. So down to Peter's, Peter's hunger gets used by God. That's kind of cool. It's something simple as hunger. You know, he, he goes upstairs and prays, probably get his mind off of the food. Um, then um, let's see. We just go down here. One just an important little footnote with all of this is, you know, I think with the whole Bible story thought, we've also... I think a lot of us think that things like this vision, this vision was like new information when it wasn't. This was Peter being reminded of things that Jesus already said. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. You know, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost ends of the earth. You know, they just conveniently would forget that. He said, you know, basically, I've made everything clean. You know, I've made all foods clean. And he kind of just is stuck. How often do we get stuck? You know what I'm saying? In our cultural context, we get stuck 
in our thinking of how God wants to move. We get stuck in just feeling a certain way or having a certain like idea of what it's going to look like to follow God with our life. And we conveniently hear God and we conveniently get words about that. We conveniently just, oh, wow, everything just lines up for me to do this. I'm just going to keep doing this. You know, everything. I'm, or we're just playing maintenance. And we just hear encouraging. And we listen, guys. We need encouraging words from God. You need to hear from God that you're beautiful and that you're loved by him. Or, or your self-image is just going to be messed up. You need to hear from God words like, well, you know, you're doing a good job. But you also need to hear words where God shakes it up a little bit. And he's, he calls you to do something that's outside your comfort zone. It's something that you didn't imagine. If you're not getting those words, if you're just getting things that you can, you know, ostensibly come up with, is it really, I mean, <laughs> how do you, you know, you, it kind of is hard on your faith a little bit. It's like, am I really hearing God? None of this challenges my perspective ever. I, it's happened to me where I had to ask myself, I'm like, you know, Am I really, uh, am I just, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to cast doubt on the voice of God. But am I building myself up right now? Or am I listening to God? Because if I'm listening to God, I know that God, God very often tells me surprising things about myself. Sometimes things I don't want to know. And then he works on it. And then things change. He tells me to go somewhere I didn't want to go. He tells me to talk to somebody I didn't really want to talk to. Things like that. That's what I want to point out. This is what happens to Peter. He goes, as he basically stops, you know, he, he doesn't ignore God. He listens to God. He goes, he meets with Cornelius. Something phenomenal happens. God meets him. God meets these people that have gathered to listen to the message that he has to bring. And they get rocked by God. We want to see that, right? Just think about this. This simple act of obedience and taking, you know, okay, so this is a trance. You know, like, he went into a trance. It's just another way of saying he, he was, he kind of dozed off. It's it really, sometimes, you know, not that, it's not that deep. He dozed off. He had kind of like a dream. It's like, it felt like an open vision. He kind of saw it. We don't know exactly how that worked. We just see he saw it. But it could have been like a dream. It could have been like when you take a nap and you have a dream. Something as simple as that. He still stewarded it, and he used it. Yeah, now, since you know, this is one of those Sundays where I have the microphone, I guess I can use it to um, plug something I love very much, which is write your dreams down. Literally, your, your little dreams. I mean, yes, write your goals. Um, that is huge. You should do that, um, and you should do it at the beginning of the year. That's not cliche. Um, but you should write your literal dreams down, the kind you have at night when you're sleeping. If you're, if you're curious about whether or not that's God, just read pretty much anywhere in the Bible, and it'll be related to something along those lines. Read Daniel, Jesus' parents. Oh, the kids are having a good time in there. That's, that sounds, I want to be in there. Wanna, that sounds awesome. Um, my goodness. Uh, it, dreams are a way that God speaks to us. It's just an example, honestly, of us getting past our own humanistic idea of who God is and just like, oh, yeah, it has to be factual. It has to be based. It needs to come to me in some sort of like, 
written scroll signed by, you know, Jesus himself, like I physically get to hold it, then I'll really believe that this is something God said. What if it just starts with writing down your pizza dreams? I'm not saying go do your pizza dreams, but write down the dreams that you're just like, I don't understand this. It's not like I get this message. It's not like I know where to go with it, but write it down. If you, feel, if you feel an aspect of God on it, write it down. Be faithful with it, and then he'll give you more. I think that's something that's so powerful about the life of the early church is, you know, like they experienced this supernatural stuff all the time. And you know what it, what it says about the early church? Like they were filled with awe. You guys, you guys read that part? Or you, maybe you were here when we talked about that, about the earlier chapters of Acts. They were filled with awe. It kept happening, you know? They, they weren't just filled once, but they prayed and they were filled by the Holy Spirit numerous times and they were filled with awe each time. That, that marked them as a community. What if that awe was the reason that they saw so many miracles, so many signs, so many miraculous things happen like Peter's angel showing, oh, an angel letting Peter out of prison. He shows up at the house. They think it's his angel and they just... It was just like, oh yeah, it's, it's his angel. Whatever. It's, I mean, the angels just leave the angel at the door. You know, like that's. Let's do that. If you if you haven't read the story, I'm sorry. I'm leaving you behind here. I didn't mean to do that, but it's very interesting. It kind of gives you a picture of like, oh wow, this was commonplace. It was common for remarkable things to happen, and I feel like that's kind of a testament of their faith that these things happen when we have faith. Let me just look here, make sure that I'm staying on track. One thing that I really want to get to is that God won't do our job for us. Um, if you look at verse 41 of, of this uh, chapter... You see, 40 and 41, God allowed Jesus to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. Why did he do that? Why, we all you know, wonder, like, why doesn't God just reveal himself to everyone? And let me just kind of let you down a little bit here real quick. God is not going to explain everything to you. We don't know why, fully, except that he wants to partner with us, except that he wants to do it with us. For in his divine wisdom, he wants us to be a part of everyone hearing this message. To the point where an angel visits Cornelius, right? Think about this. It is a very dramatic encounter. Like heaven is broken open, something supernatural has happened. An angel visits Cornelius. And he tells him to go find Simon Peter. I mean... Does that not illustrate it? Does that not illustrate just the extent to which God wants to use us? Are you with me? It's powerful. God is, and he says right here, he chose to, to rise and be revealed to a few hundred people. That was pretty significant. But he didn't just go around Israel for like, you know, like a victory lap tour or something, you know, just kind of like showing up everywhere to everyone, show up and like blow the Pharisees away with his glory and his risen self and have them, you know, look at the holes in his hands. There is a day when he's going to come back. Every knee will bow 
Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And if you're offended by that, it's not up to you. It isn't. If you don't believe that God is good by now, by all that he's done in your life, will you believe? At some point, you have to make a decision. Say, no, you know what? God does love people more than I do. That strikes at our humanism right there. Humanism. Didn't say it right. It really does. It, that tears apart our idea that we're good. We're compassionate. We're loving. We're more loving than God is, in fact. That's what we think. That's what humanism thinks. And living in this city, I'm telling you right now, unless you live in a bubble, you're going to have to confront that mentality every single day. You will. God is good. He has a plan. <laughs> even, if, even if you have to kind of just look at this, it's very simple. Down in, you know, Psalms 19, I think it is. Um, there, you know, it says, the heavens declare his handiwork. You know, every single creation speaks. No one's without account. Everyone has to give account for seeing God and knowing that he's real. In his wisdom, he's, you know, he wants to use us. No one has an excuse, but it's not up to us how he does it. He wants to just use us to give that message to the world. Where am I going with this? I want, you, I want to do this real quick. Take a quick second. All my missionaries, raise your hands. One, two, three, four, five, six. Some of you are starting to get it. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. All of us should have raised our hands. You with me? Every hand in this room, if you believe in Jesus, should have shot up in the air and waved around. <laughs> because we are. If you're not on mission, you need to sit down and think about what it is you're doing. This city is my mission. My wife and I, we do what we do here, not by accident. We don't just happen to try to live in the most expensive place on earth. Good Lord. Oh, we're too, we're, we're, we hope God will give us a house here at some point, but my goodness, it's insane out here. Like, it, this is not, I would be in New Hampshire if I were real with you. I, you know, I grew up in New Hampshire. It's beautiful. I would have stayed there. It's nice. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of places, there's a lot easier places spiritually to be than here. And there's a lot easier places than where God's going to send you. I mean, some of you may end up getting called to Hawaii, hallelujah. That is, <laughs> praise God for that. I just am so excited for you if that is your reality. But the rest of us who may not be called to Hawaii, somewhere a little more difficult, you got to persevere, but not just persevere, I mean... I kind of got ahead of myself there. We're, what are we doing? Are we here by accident? Are we here just because we're trying to grind through this phase of having a job? Are we trying to just grind through this, the next semester of our education? Uh, like try to get through it. Got to get my master's. Got to get my PhD. Or are you being Intentional. Are you here for a purpose? Do you really believe that you're living in this city by accident? Do you believe that anything in your life as a Christian is happening by accident? It's not. More so, 
You need to sit down and ask God what your mission is. Because you should be on mission. Let's do this one more time. My missionaries, raise your hands. Come on. There's a few more I'm missing. Come on, guys. I want you to do this. I'm not kidding. This is important. This is how we should live. And you know what being a missionary means? I'm sorry. I just, I love Liam. I'm just looking over at Liam. I'm just like, God, thank you so much for Liam. I'm so happy for that kid. Oh. But you know what? Being, there's many more of you, by the way, who are examples of being missionaries. It's just I personally know him very well, and I'm very proud of him. Um, but there's just there's something so real about having a life where God can send anywhere he wants. He wants to put you wherever he wants to put you. He wants to do with you whatever he wants to do with you. Are you ready? Is your life in a place where you're ready to go? Or ready to stay and do what's hard right here, right now? But not by... (laughs) Some of my people back there are getting it. Omar, I love you, dude. Oh, but he's, he's, been, he's been my cheerleader since first service. I'm so grateful. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I think, I think I've said enough there. When we step outside our comfort zone and into obedience with God, he breaks in. Just like when all those Gentiles, but my wife asked me to define Gentile. She's so thoughtful. It's really, if you're ever feeling hurt by me or feeling misunderstood or feeling like I just didn't notice you or anything, first of all, it is not my heart. Second of all, please go talk to her. (laughs) She will notice you and she will affirm you like very thoroughly. I will try, but she'll actually do it well. It's just amazing. She's so thoughtful. But yeah, um, for those of you who don't know, Gentiles are those who are not Jews. It's basically most of us in this room, I I imagine. Um, So that's why we're here. But in in being sent to the Gentiles, I don't know where I was going with that. Let me just go down here. Peter gets sent outside of his cultural norm. I think what's interesting about... um, the story of Cornelius is, you know, it would have been one thing. It would have felt, it would have made a lot of sense to the Jewish people to be sent to like one of these Jewish leaders because there were Jewish leaders. Um, there was one that talked with Jesus, very interested, very interested in what he had to say. There were numbers of them actually. It would have made a lot of sense for this for some Jewish leader to have this huge revelation of, oh wow, I'm supposed to talk with Peter. Like he's going to give me the lowdown on Jesus. First of all, they kind of already knew. But second of all, God had something out of the box in mind. That's why we have to be ready. That's why our our lives have to be fertile soil for the voice of God. Because God might just take you and put you in an MIT classroom where you have a workload that's beyond anything you've ever experienced before. And you have a professor who is very different than anything you've ever worked with and seems to be very opposed to you. Do you know what I'm saying? And God might just use you to reach somebody. <laughs> We're not going to get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, but God might just use you. I wasn't trying to do that. I was actually thinking of someone else. Um, 
God might use you to reach somebody who is an influencer and you don't even know how. Like, I don't personally know. I mean, Michelle could probably tell me all the influence that some of these MIT people have. Um, you know, like uh, these people who like run their own labs and stuff. It's crazy. But I mean, they're kind of introverts. They, they're holed up in their labs. We don't really hear much about them unless they win some sort of Nobel Prize. You know, it's, but God might use you to reach that person of influence. Or he might use you to reach somebody you had no idea had influence. The point is, God wants to put us in strategic places to get the gospel out there. We should bring this home here. What are you doing to let God inconvenience your life? This is something that I want us all to ask ourselves. Um, This is not something just to ask ourselves once or twice but to really bring back around in our lives over and over and over and over again. I don't know about you, but there's like things I've got to work on daily. There's things I have to remind myself of daily with God and my walk with God to be on track with him. This is one of those things. It's so easy, so very easy just to do what you do, what you do over and over and over and over and over and over again until you're six feet under. It's just way too easy to do it. But God wants you to ask him every single day, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me three years from now? What do you have for me five years from now? Some of us, I know, have gotten frustrated with hearing the voice of God. And I, I know that there's, there's something about the waiting and not hearing God that can really, really try your patience. But if your theology of God is correct, if it's right, you'll have confidence he's doing something because he is. If he's not answering, it's for a reason. It's because he wants to do something special in your life that can only come through just extreme discomfort and not knowing where you're going. But <laughs> is there something about just asking these questions of ourselves every single day? Am I letting God inconvenience me? Am I asking God to inconvenience me? Those dangerous prayers, you know, like they always say, what, mainly, what do we believe about God? I think this is maybe one of the most important things, is do we believe that he's good? Do we believe that he is going, only going to do with our lives what is the very best for us? He wants to use you, in a, it, 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 not just in a little way, He wants to maximize your impact for the kingdom of God. Do you want that? There's something so powerful about asking God for that and not just staying within our ruts. Amen? I'm going to close there. I think I've used up enough words here. But, Lord, I just ask that you would use this to pull apart the misconceptions in our own hearts. God, that as we look at Scripture, Lord, that we wouldn't just look at it through the lens of how we've always read it. Lord, when we pray, that we wouldn't just pray the same old prayers that we've always prayed, but God, that we would truly ask you to inconvenience us, that we would truly be on mission, that we would ask you what our mission is. 
God, I thank you that you didn't raise up this church in order to just do nothing. But Lord, that we would be a collection of individuals that are called to change the world. And God, I just pray over every heart, every mind in this place that doesn't believe that. And I command it to come into line with the word of God. Lord, that you want to use us, that you've sent us. Lord, that you want us to work miracles. That you want to speak to us clearly. Lord, I just pray over the life of every person in this place. Lord, I ask that it would look like the life of the, the true believer. The one who really takes you at your word. So God, I just ask, would you be with us? Would you give us grace to listen to you? Would you give us grace to obey you? And to think of our lives differently, God. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.